Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, which is on page 829 of the Pew Bible. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Um, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the dis disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Bronwyn. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this word and uh, from, uh, from your scripture. Father, we pray that uh, as we uh, consider this passage now, that uh, by your spirit who, is, uh, who lives within us, uh, who changes us, who makes us more to be like Jesus, we pray that you would be opening up our eyes, helping us to see your truth, that we would indeed be those uh, who bring glory to you in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're a driver, how do you feel when you get pulled over for a breath test by the police? How do you feel about that? I reckon the, you know, the first few times that it happened for me, I was um, kind of interested by the experience, and uh, after that, well, it's, you know, it's just good to know that the police are doing their job, isn't it? But apparently in America, if police pull someone over for bad driving, the, 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 uh, the testing uh, is way more interesting than what it is here in Australia. Uh, they, there's a range of what they call field sobriety tests. Uh, for example, there's the optometrist test, uh, where the police, police tests to see if your eye can follow a particular object. Uh, then there's the school teacher test, uh, when they ask you to count backwards from 100. And uh, then there's that classic test, uh, where they ask you to simply walk in a straight line. 
head to uh, heel to toe uh, in a straight line and then turn back and walk back to them. I'm pretty glad that we do it a little bit more scientifically here in Australia, aren't you? <laughs> because there are other reasons why someone may not be able to walk in a straight line. Uh, in the Bible, the activity of walking uh, is, um, is often used as a, as a figure of speech, uh, a figure of speech for living. So that uh, to walk means to live. And um, it's like when we say, you know, you don't, you don't just talk the talk. What do you do? You walk the walk. And we're not talking about putting your, um, you know, one step ahead of each other, uh, what you do with your feet. Uh, we're talking there about how you live. And living or walking in a way that pleases the Lord. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, which would be great to have open in front of you, uh, this idea of walking... Uh, comes up uh, specifically three times in the passage. Uh, whereas God's children, we are to uh, walk in love. As God's children, we are to walk as light. And as God's children, we are to walk in wisdom. Uh, although, uh, if you're using an NIV, a few Bibles here are NIVs, uh, then you'll notice that uh, they've translated the word to walk uh, basically in terms of what it means, which is to live, but it kind of doesn't quite paint the same picture, does it, of, of walking step after step after step uh, through life. The ESV does translate it as to walk. Uh, last week in chapter 4 of Ephesians, we saw that as God's new creation, that uh, we are to, to put off the old self, and we are to put on the new self, the new self which uh, we've been created in by God through the gospel. And now, uh, here in this chapter, Paul spells out uh, what that means in terms of how we should live or how we should walk uh, through life. So let's first take a look at what it means uh, for us to walk in love. Verses 1 and 2. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, walk in love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So what does it mean for us to walk in love? Uh, well, uh, quite simple, really, in terms of what the passage says, it uh, says that it, it, it's to be like Jesus. Uh, like Jesus, who we are to offer up our, our lives as, as a fragrant offering, as a, a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. Now, that's... Um, it sounds lovely, doesn't it? But it's actually quite difficult. It's quite hard for us to do that, particularly uh, as we live in, in, this, in this world. Because we, we live in a culture where there is so much that uh, is part of our culture, the way that people do live, which is actually not a very sweet-smelling fragrance to God at all. In fact, uh, there is much in our culture which is a stench to God, a stench to his nostrils. Uh, in verse 3, 
Uh, Paul says that amongst you, there must not be a hint of sexual immorality, impurity or greed. Hmm. Now, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is, is basically sex outside of God's plan for sex. And God's plan for sex uh, is that it is exclusively for the relationship of marriage. That's right, isn't it? That's what God's word says. And yet that's not a particularly um, popular view these days. Have you, I mean, think about it. I wonder if you've noticed that we, we tend uh, in our society not to use the term adultery very much anymore, do we? People don't talk about adultery. What do they talk about? They talk about affairs. Someone had an affair, which sounds all very, you know, light and fluffy, doesn't it? It's, it, uh, it, it's more acceptable. It, it doesn't quite sound like sin and doesn't quite sound like something which is going to incur judgment. And, and the idea of uh, waiting until marriage uh, before having sex, well, that's just... That's just, that's just ridiculed. That's just so last century. I mean, we live in the 21st century and, we, you know, and that's just so out of whack out of, with our society and our culture. Despite the damage which these things wreak in the lives of people. Sexual immorality, impurity, greed. These are not about self-sacrifice, these are about self-indulgence and therefore they are unloving. Whereas we are to walk in love. And here we see a, a connection uh, in the passage between our walking and our talking. Uh, check out verse 4. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. No coarse language, no foul language. <laughs> you know, I remember uh, <clears throat> and uh, many years ago, uh, we were having some maintenance work which was being done around our house for a, a week or two, and I, I recall that the way that the workmen were talking about women, well, it was just something was conversation my children, my family, didn't need to hear. And I had to have a word with them about that. But that's, that's nothing unusual, is it? That's, that's commonplace. That's, that's because when our hearts and our minds are polluted, are, are corrupted, are darkened by ignorance and, and sin, then that is going to express itself. Uh, not only in our bodies but also in our words, with seemingly no concept of just how wrong and how distorted that is and how devoid of love. Now, some of us here may have once walked that way. That may have been who we are. But we are to no longer walk that way. We must now walk differently and instead of coarse joking and vulgarities and impurity in our speech, what does Paul say? Well, we should actually be people who are expressing thanksgiving in our speech. 
It's a huge difference. And we can't live lives of indulgence in this world, of unrestrained indulgence in terms of sexual impurity, in terms of the way that we talk, the views that we have about uh, people that are so distorted. Uh, we, can't claim, we can't live with that self-indulgence in the things of this world and still think we've got a claim on the next world. Now, verse 5. For of this you can be sure... No immoral, impure or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, um, there'll be times when we, because we're not perfect, that uh, we may slip in certain ways. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're expelled from the kingdom of God because of that, because in Christ there is forgiveness what this is talking about is a lack of repentance, ongoing lack of repentance, thinking that we can live as people of this world and yet have a claim on the next. Now, some people don't believe this. Some people say that um, it's not true, that, uh, that uh, you're not going to receive any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Uh, even in some churches, uh, there are those who who water down what the Bible teaches about topics such as sex, tolerating adultery within the congregation because that's loving the people. Uh, and we don't want to be judgmental. Or, or church leaders teaching that God is fine about two men having sex with each other and two women having sex with each other and even, even marrying them. And the world applauds such people. But God doesn't. In verse 6, Paul says, Don't be deceived by these people with their empty words, which only bring God's judgment. They can't walk in a straight line, even some within the church. They can't walk in a straight line because they don't actually know God's love. It's not loving. It's never loving to endorse sin and minimise judgment. Walking in loves, uh, walking in love means that we actually tell, tell it as it is. That we tell people how Christ died for their sins so that they might be saved and their lives might become that pleasing aroma to God. And that's happened for some of us, hasn't it? Our lives have been dramatically changed because someone dared to tell us that we were living, we were walking down the wrong path and we were heading to judgment and we needed to put our trust in Christ. And why do we tell people these things? Well, because in verses 8 to 14, we are now people of light. Check out verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live or walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Now, notice that it, uh, Paul doesn't just say that you, um, that you are now in the light. Uh, that's true, isn't it? We are in, in the light. And God's, 
God's word is a light to our path, but what he actually says here is that you actually are the light. You are the light. Now, one of my jobs at home is generally to change the light bulbs when they blow, Uh, usually a day or two after Cassie asks for me to do so. But when I change a light bulb at home and then switch the, you know, flick the switch, what do I expect to happen? I, ex- I expect it to, to radiate light and, and to, to lighten up the room so that now we're not, we're not in the dark, so that now we can see everything in the room. And Paul's saying that that's true of us. If we are the light, then we should radiate, not, not immorality, not dirty jokes, not greed, not self-indulgence. In fact, Paul says in verse 11 that we should actually have nothing to do with those things. Rather, what we are to radiate is all that is good, all that is right, and all that is true. Now, one of the things about darkness is that it, it hides the realities of evil. And, and that, is why, um, that is why sin uh, loves darkness. It's, it's like those cockroaches at our place. You know, once I've fixed up, uh, you know, fixed up the light bulb so that it actually works, and uh, you know, in the night time when I feel like I need a drink and I head out to the kitchen, it's pitch black and it's in the middle of summer so it's really warm weather and so on, and, head out to the kitchen and I flick the light on and what do I see scurrying across the floor? (laughs) It's those roaches, they're heading back into their place of darkness because they don't like to be exposed. Now if we radiate godliness amongst the people whom we connect with, perhaps in your school, um, in your your college, uh, in your workplace, in your home, amongst your friends... Uh, if we radiate uh, godliness, then there's going to be a difference that's, that's shown up, uh, a contrast perhaps uh, with, with other, other people. And what we find is that by doing so, we actually, um, just by being who we are, uh, we sh- shine a light which exposes sin. Now, not everyone is thrilled by that when it happens, But I want you to check out what Paul says in verse 13. He says, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. And this is why it says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And you think to yourself, Well, yeah, what do you mean by that, Paul? Um, I mean, you know, Paul says, yeah, this is what it means when it says, and you say, well, I've never heard that said by anyone else other than you, Paul. Uh, it's not actually uh, a quote from the Bible. It uh, perhaps derives from, from a couple of passages in, in Isaiah, but it seems that what Paul is quoting here was a, was a hymn, uh, a hymn which the a first century hymn, a hymn that the churches in Ephesus and the surrounding areas actually knew and perhaps sung in church. And Paul's reminding them of of that hymn. And he does so, the sense here is that uh, when our light exposes the reality of sin, then not everyone hates it, 
Uh, for some people, uh, it, uh, it becomes the, the, um, the, the very thing that causes them to rise from the dead, <laughs> rise from their, uh, their spiritual death uh, as Christ's light shines on them. And so that's a difference which we can make. People perhaps even being drawn to Christ, becoming Christians as we radiate uh, light uh, into their lives. So we are to walk in love. We are to walk as light. And finally, in verse 15, we are to walk in wisdom. Verse 15. Be very careful then how you live or walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, what kind of a person do you think of when I mention the word a wise person? What, is that, um, what image does that conjure up for you? The, the sage-like person that you know, perhaps? Uh, for me, uh, I think of someone who's got, I think of someone who's got a good grasp on life. Someone who, who understands how the world operates, who understands the challenges and the opportunities and the pitfalls and, and, and understands how to, how to navigate a, a good course uh, through all of that. And, and these, are, these are often older people, um, older people who uh, can teach me in half an hour what it might have taken them 20 years to learn uh, often the hard way. But you don't need to be old to be wise, do you? Uh, indeed, in Ephesians, the, the person who walks in wisdom is the person who understands the wisdom of God, the mystery that God has revealed. It's the person who understands what God has done for us in Jesus that, that by his death on the cross, that he's paid the penalty for our sin so that we are no longer subject to God's wrath, God's judgment, and that we now have a heavenly inheritance and that this is for all people, not just for Jews but for Gentiles, as we've seen in Ephesians, for all kinds of people are being brought together by God and headed for a heavenly inheritance, a great future. That's the wisdom. That's the wisdom. And so we're not like the fool, are we? You know, in Psalm 14, uh, the fool is the one who says in his heart, there is no God. And so it might as well just... Uh, you know, indulge in, in the things of this world because there's no future. Tomorrow we die and that's it. So live it up now and squeeze the most out of this life as you can because there's nothing that comes after. There is no God. That's the way of the fool. Now, we understand this world we understand this world because God has revealed uh, the truth about this world to us. We understand sin. Uh, we know, as Paul says in verse 16, that the days are evil. 
And therefore we understand that the greatest need of our world is the gospel. And so walking wisely means that we make every day count for the Lord. Walking wisely means that we make the most of every opportunity to serve the Lord while we still have the breath of life. Walking wisely means that we, we pray for people. It means that we, uh, we look for opportunities and we take the opportunities to tell other people about Jesus. Walking wisely means that we help others, each other, to keep on walking that straight line. Speaking of which, in verse 16, Paul says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So what's he talking about there? Well, there's a lot of discussion about this verse amongst Christian circles and so on, but I think really this is about control, or rather it's about who or what controls us. Paul speaks about drinking too much wine. And uh, we know that when we drink too much alcohol, it, uh, uh, it, ha- it affects our ability to think, doesn't it? And we, uh, we loosen up. Uh, we loosen up uh, sometimes too much. And then we end up doing things which, which are not great. And we may regret afterwards. But Paul says it can lead to debauchery. One night, uh, some years ago, here at the church, um, there was a knock on the door and uh, a man I didn't know came to see me. He was a mess. He told me that, uh, that his wife had gone away for a few days and so he was home alone and so he thought he'd go out one night and have a meal at the pub and uh, have a few drinks and had a few beers and... While he was there, he, he met a lady and they did a bit more drinking together and then he uh, took her home for sex. Recently come to me was that uh, she had just made a phone call to his home, which his wife answered. And he said to me, I have destroyed everything. I've wrecked everything that I hold dear. I need your help. Imagine the mess that his wife was in at that time. Don't walk like that, says Paul. Instead, be filled with a different spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Or as it could be translated, what does it mean to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Again, there's a lot of discussion about what this means, but I think if we can cut to the core, we need to ask the question, what is the work of the Holy Spirit? The work of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of our sin. The work of the Holy Spirit is is to work in our hearts to draw us to Christ. And the work of the Holy Spirit as he fills us And as we are filled by him, is to change us, to transform us, to turn us into, to make us the kind of people that God wants us to be. No longer a stench, 
but a fragrant offering to him. In Romans chapter 8, um, Paul says that in Christ, that we are no longer controlled by the sinful nature, but instead we are controlled by the Spirit who dwells in us. And so live by the Spirit. Now next week, um, we're going to look at what that means in terms of um, uh, a number of our, our key relationships in life, uh, husband and wife, um, parents and children, our relationships in the workplace and so on, as we think about what it means to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But I want us to check out just the difference that being filled uh, with or by the Spirit uh, makes in terms of our speech. In verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sure I speak for all of us here in saying that one of the things which we're really missing as Christians during COVID-19 restrictions is everyone being allowed to sing together. Is that right? I mean, the song leaders are doing a great job for us, aren't they? But, um, and, and apparently um, singing is actually pretty good for your health. Um, think about it, because what do you do when you sing? You, you're really giving your lungs a good workout, aren't they? Aren't you? And as you, your lungs are getting a good workout, then uh, there's, you know, your bloodstream gets really nicely ox oxygenated. Is that the word? So you've got plenty of oxygen flowing through your bloodstream and oxygen heads to your brain as well and uh, that uh, causes you to be able to think better, to think more clearly, to remember things better. And uh, apparently it, uh, singing, all that process, it, re it uh, releases endorphins into our bodies as well, which makes us just feel good. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel great. But what we sing is so different, isn't it? We don't sing songs which have got great tunes but meaningless words. We don't sing songs of, of despair and heartbreak. We don't sing songs about sinful relationships. Let alone do we sing songs with foul language in it that Benjamin talked to us about last Sunday morning. Some of those rap songs that he had to just get rid of when he became a Christian. No, we sing songs of truth and joy and hope to encourage one another to keep on walking that straight line of love and of light and of wisdom in Christ. And we sing and we make music in our hearts, not just for one another, but vertically to God as well, to express our gratitude, to express our thankfulness for everything that God is and all that he has done for us in Christ Jesus. That's great, isn't it? It's because we, don't, we now have the spirit of God dwelling in us. And during these um, restrictions in singing that we have at the moment... 
we have actually, probably for the first time in decades, we've actually been speaking the Psalms to one another, as Paul says here, that we should be doing. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for everything that you've done that uh, transforms our lives. We thank you, Father God, that the great example for us, the great motivation, is that Christ himself gave up his life, that he lived a life of love, giving up himself as a fragrant offering to you. May that be true of us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.